us pray. Our loving God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you want to teach us now, and we ask that you do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning I wanted to start by talking about success. Can we have our slide, please? Yes, there it is. Success. Now, we know what the world says success is. It's like doing good well in your job, getting to the top, or doing well in a sport. Uh, like winning a race or a competition, becoming top of the class, anyone done that? Maybe. Passing exams. Oh, don't worry, young ones, exams are like quizzes. Um, there are things that most people say are success. And it's lovely to be good at things, it's fine to be good at them, and it's nothing wrong with being congratulated for our achievements for doing well. But what about success when it comes to God? Now most of us here will want to say that we love God and trust in Him, and also that God is more important than any success that we might have. And He is, that's true. So success in God things should perhaps be called hmm, <coughs> blessings. Being blessed, that means being happy in God, having that peace and contentment that don't we all crave? Well, if you don't, you will. As we look at the story of David in the Bible, we begin to see a follower of God being successful. Last week, the adults were thinking about Goliath. Do you remember him? I've got a picture to remind you. Do you remember Goliath? A giant of a man who had lots of armour and weapons. But David, young David, defeated him. How? Because he had lots of armour and weapons as well? No. He did it by simply slinging a stone at him. Because it wasn't actually David winning the battle, was it? He had taken off his armour and got rid of his weapons. God won the battle. He won the fight. And we're reminded that when it comes to life, to enemies like mm, sin, Satan, and death, we can't win. We need someone to fight for us. We need someone who will win, and that is the Lord. Who do you think it is before I give you the answer? The Lord. I've given you the answer. <laughs> Anyway, at this point, Saul was king, but he was not following the Lord. He was doing everything in his own strength, in his own ideas, and that means he was failing. He was not a success, because he was pushing God away. So look at the picture. God, uh, David, God had David anointed by Samuel to be set apart as the next king. Now, David was young. He didn't come from an important family, but in these chapters today, and we're doing chapters 18, 19, and 20, <laughs> which I'll get some of the young people to come and read to us in a moment. <laughs> yeah, I got you to turn around there, didn't I? <laughs> but David was young and small. He didn't come from an important family, but he's so successful. Um, that David, in our passage, says, gave David a high rank in the army, verse 5 to 7. And when David returned from killing Goliath, the crowds gathered around him and sang a special song. Ready? Do you know this song? 
soul has defeated his thousands. No, you don't remember that one? It was number one in Lichtenstein. Well, it goes, Saul has defeated his thousands, and David, his te- I didn't make it up, it's in the Bible. I made up the tune, that's fair enough, fair enough. So Saul has defeated his thousands, and David, his tens of thousands. David's so successful, why? Why is David so successful? Who can tell me? It says it in the Bible reading, actually. Verse 12, verse 14. Why is David so successful? Because God is with him and helping him. That's right. The Lord is with David. In fact, three times that's repeated in chapter 18. As we'll find out next week, that doesn't always lead to happy times. In fact, the king himself is growing increasingly angry. Um, See his face in the picture? He's not very happy, is he? The song is very hard for him to hear. Saul has defeated his thousands. Mm-hmm. David has tens of thousands. Saul's okay, but David is brilliant. Well, maybe you've, had a, you've got a brother or sister, and sometimes something's gone really well for them, and they've been congratulated, and you felt a bit cross and jealous. Hmm. Well, Saul's really cross and jealous. He was thinking that David was going to take over the kingdom. So verse 9, what did he do? If we read, he kept a close eye on David. Or in our version it says, a jealous eye. Which doesn't sound very good, does it? In fact, one day when Saul was having a really bad day, he threw his spear at David. Twice. And in verse 12 we see Saul's heart. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David and he had departed from Saul. So I'm going to read verse 13 to 16. I'll put it on the screen in case you've um, lost your reading in the Bible. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. Were they successful? Was David successful? Yes. Ben. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. And Saul, verse 15, became afraid. But Judah and Israel loved him because of his success. Wow. Now you remember how the Old Testament and all the important true stories in it all point to the New Testament and the coming of which king? Jesus, yes. Thank you. Jesus, and he's called the Christ or the Messiah, that that means God's anointed king. So here in the Old Testament, God is showing the people that they need a successful king to come and save them. And he's going to promise that he will send a king that'll be a bit like David, but much, much, much greater. When the people asked for a king in 1 Samuel chapter 8, they wanted a king like the other nations who would defeat the enemies, the other soldiers. But in his great love, God had a much bigger and better plan for his people. The king that he's going to send will be one who will defeat their greatest enemies, the enemies of sin, 
the enemies of Satan and of death. In other words, this king that God will send one day will bring an end to all our sadness, all our sorrow, all our sickness, all our sin, and of course, will defeat death. So we will never fear again. We never have to be afraid. And this king will be successful in all he does. Jesus went to the cross for our sins, and he was raised again to rule. But how will the people of Israel recognize this king when he comes? Well, like David, he will come from Bethlehem. He will be from David's family line. Like David, he'll be humble after God's own heart. And like David, he'll be anointed king, which happened at his baptism. And then this king will do amazing things, bringing rescue, restoration, healing, and so on. And he'll behave like God's king in God's world, turning everything upside down into the right place. So David, in our Bible reading, is a little picture of what Jesus is going to be like. So it's a bit like a model. A bit like you were given a model or a little toy of a palace. See the picture there? So perhaps you were given this for your birthday. Do you recognise that palace? It's very topical for this week. Ezra, do you know this palace? Well done, Buckingham Palace. Well, maybe someone gives you that for your birthday. A nice little model, and you put it on your at the end of your bed or something. And then they say, one day, you'll have a real palace to live in. David was like that. He was a model of the greater king to come. So when we look at David in the Bible, we're supposed to see little glimpses of Jesus, the true king, who does bring us to a palace one day. Now David looks like the other sort of king uh, that the people want to, would want to follow. And there's one man in this story that does follow this king. Do you remember who he is? It's written in our Bible reading. Look at verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, who was it that came to David? Jonathan. Anyone called Jonathan here? Yes, right. Pin back your ears. Jonathan was amazing. And we read that he became one in spirit with David. And he loved David as himself. And what was Jonathan's title? Do you remember who Jonathan was? Yeah. Not Daddy, no. <laughs> no. Well, earlier on in... Go on, Timothy. Saul's son. So he was the king's son. That means he was like prince. A prince, not prince, I say that. <laughs> he was a prince. Next in line to be king. And what does Jonathan, though, think of David, this amazing soldier? Does he like him? It's hard work today. Yes! Yes, thank you, Ben. He loves him so much. He's a very close friend. They are one in spirit. It reminds me of a friend I had when I was growing up called Tom. And me and my friend Tom were always together. We would never be separated for many years. And verse 3, we read that Jonathan makes a covenant, a special promise with David. A promise of friendship and loyalty. Jonathan thinks so highly of David 
And if we want to follow King Jesus, we are to think highly of him too. We're to love King Jesus a bit like this, like a best friend, and more than that. In fact, as we grow older, we naturally grow in our love for King Jesus. Look at Jonathan in verse 4 again. He does something rather odd and startling and amazing. Verse 4, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Right, I've got a really difficult question for you now. Why is that such an amazing thing? To give him his robe and sword, belt. It is tricky. Maybe one of the adults can help. giving his kingly clothes to David. Remember, he's the king's son. So I need a couple of uh, small volunteers. There's a couple of small volunteers. It has to be quite a small volunteer spread because I've got quite a small king's robe for you to wear. Who's on the there? So your, your, your king... Let's just put it around your Now kings had, he didn't, we didn't really had a crown, but he, he made, you know, that's just to show everyone that you're a king. And there's your kingly sword. Right, come and just look at everyone. Right, look at everyone. No, you look very kingly. Okay, now photographs at the end. Um, so we need someone else. We need John, uh, we need David. So you've just, you've just um, defeated Goliath, haven't you? People are thinking you're quite cool. Yeah? Great. And Jonathan, who's going to be king next, says, hang on a minute. David, you're brilliant. I'm going to give you my kingly sword. So what do you give David your sword? Jonathan. And I'm going to give you my kingly robe. This is how much, how great you are. And just to show what I'm talking about, have my crown as well. Super duper. Thank you. Say yes, You're still really good friends. But isn't that amazing that he's saying to David, you might as well be king. Now I'm not sure that Jonathan understood this at the time. But certainly as the Bible goes on, um, we get the impression that he did. In fact, we're told that he did. And as Jonathan hands his kingship to David, he's saying, I've recognised your God-given authority to be king, and I submit to you. Now, what does submit mean? Well, it kind of means becoming a servant. So Jonathan recognises David's right to be king, and you're now his servant. Now, we don't know if Jonathan understood this, do read in the Bible later that he does. So chapter 20, verse 13 and 14, it says this, May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father, the king. So may the Lord be with you like the king. And do not cut off your kindness from my family. So he sees David as going to be in charge one day, and Jonathan asks David to be kind to him. And in chapter 23, he says this, 
Don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You shall be king over Israel. Do you want to say that? You shall be king over Israel. Yes. Even my father Saul knows this. And the two of them made a promise, a covenant. So why don't you shake hands? Shake hands. You're making a promise and a covenant. And you're smiling at each other. Oh, it's so wonderful. It's just such a good picture of their relationship. So Jonathan has padded his royal clothes to David. Thank you very much. Thank you. It teaches us such a big lesson to us about how we to treat Jesus. Because we're invited to love him more than a best friend. How might we follow Jesus? There's a big clue right here. And in our confession earlier. Submit ourselves to King Jesus. To be like Jonathan, to say, mm, I'm not the king, you are. You're the king, and I'm going to serve you. Thank you very much. Should we give them a little clap for their help? Okay, David, I'm just putting it on your chair for later. Right, so we follow Jesus like that. We behave, you see, like a king, don't we? So often we are the king, as Annabelle was teaching us earlier. And we get... No, it doesn't. We behave as the boss, the ruler of our lives. I do what I want. And times we get cross when we're young. There are times we don't get what we want. And it's the same for adults too, actually. We get cross when we don't get what we want. And as we grow up, we learn more and more to do exactly what we want to do. And we saw that in our sorry prayer. We said, we, God says no. No to that. Because we're made to be his people, to love and serve him, not to be the king of our lives. And that's what the Christian life's all about. So if your friend at school or at work says, what it means to be a Christian? It's to make Jesus king, the boss of our lives. And that's the good thing to do. It's the best thing to do. It's just what we need. Let me tell you a little story as we're reaching the end of our time. There was a little girl in the supermarket. Do you recognize her? She was about six years old, and she was with her mummy, and things were rather difficult. Yes, but it's not your sister on the street. Things were difficult, and mummy was getting impatient with her daughter. And finally, in exasperation, mum said this to her. Who's the boss of you? Who tells you what to do? There was a bit of a silence, and Mum answered the question for her. You are. You're the boss of you. You see, Mum wanted to teach her daughter, at an early age, of our individual rights in the world that we live in. That you and I are in charge of our lives. We've got to forge our way in life. But her daughter replied, No, Mummy. You're my boss. I trust you and I love you. At which point apparently there was a, a stunned silence and a bit of a hug. Because the daughter was right, wasn't she? Who really was her boss. It wasn't her, it was the mum. Mum tells her what's right and wrong. Mum gets her ready in the morning, um, puts her to bed at night and feeds her and takes her to school. Mum's the boss. Dad's the boss. And as boss, 
She's unconditionally committed to that little girl. She provides for her daughter, she loves her, cares for her, and cuddles her. And she gives her rules to obey. Because she loves her unconditionally. And we need to understand that's about Jesus as king, as our boss. He provides all that we have, all that we need. And he gives us rules to obey. Because he loves us, he cares for us. And he's the one to whom we are ultimately responsible. But too often, whether we're young or whether we're old, who do we put first? Ourselves, that's right. Me. Well, Jesus says, don't do that. Turn around. Come back to me. Have you ever done that before? Turn around? Turn back to Jesus? Maybe you don't think he's worthy of your allegiance. Maybe you don't think he should be your king. But one day Jesus will return to be king forever and judge us for how we treated him, whether we're friends or not. And later on in chapter 18, David is given Jonathan's sister in marriage, which means David becomes a family member. And we too, when we turn to Jesus, become family members of God, children of the living God forever. But as I finish, what about us who have made Jesus King? Who have turned away from our sin? We've turned to him and we've asked him to rule us. Well, I want to ask today, how's that going? Because for all of us, there are parts of your life that are still not submitting to Jesus. For the younger ones, it might be how you treat a parent or a, sibling, a sister or a brother. It might be the ways that you get cross a bit too quickly and blame other people. As we said in our sorry prayer earlier, we hold on to things we know are wrong. And we need to say sorry and come back to King Jesus. And for older ones among us, it's the same actually, the same sort of stuff. Or it might be a bad habit. Maybe the way you spend your money, maybe a wrong relationship, or a wrong attitude to someone. Well, we do need to admit it, don't we? Keep saying sorry to our loving King, perhaps every day, this week even, asking him to help you overcome these things. But even better than that, we need to be reminded how mighty King Jesus is. That he is our risen King, Lord over all the earth, which will mean filling our hearts again and again with the good news of who he is. Like we did at the beginning. Do you remember the verse that uh, Annabelle read? Look at the screen. I've just taken a few verses from it. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth say, and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. And everyone fell down and worshipped. And the more we see that vision of Jesus, the more we find out about him, we want to worship him, making him king, even while we're on earth. Worshipping him, giving ourselves over to him. But it isn't plain sailing. We will struggle. There will be difficult times. In fact, we'll learn this next week. Following Jesus will lead to tough times. And David knew many tough times. But through it all, he knew that wonderful blessing that the Lord was with him.
and would never leave him. So let's pray and ask that for us as well. Let's say a prayer. Lord Jesus, I recognise who you are. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I am sorry for the times I've not let you be my king, when I've lived for myself. I want you to take full charge of my life, every part, and be my king today. Amen. And we're going to sing about that now. I'm going to invite the band up. So Jesus is our king. And when we understand that more and more, we want to give him everything, don't we? And we're going to sing these words in a moment. Your majesty, I can but bow, which means the only thing I can do is bow. You're amazing. And I lay everything I have before you now. In royal robes, I don't deserve. I live to serve your majesty. So let's stand when the music starts.